Well, this is our second week and a four-week emphasis on our capital funds uh, stewardship campaign for future generations. Uh, last week, our co-directors, uh, Derek Raper and uh, Jeff Wheeler, introduced that concept to us. Uh, and then today, each one of them has shared uh, about their sacrificial giving testimony and about uh, a challenge for us in that. And now, I realize as, we, as we've gone into this, and this has been the second week, that the last capital funds campaign we had was 1999 when we were uh, uh, completing downstairs of this building. And so some of you have come into the life of this church, and maybe uh, you've not participated here, or maybe you haven't participated ever uh, in a capital funds campaign. So I just want to remind you about what, what that is. And it is a sacrificial three-year commitment to giving sacrificially uh, above and beyond your tithes uh, to our building project, which is uh, building a new student center. And this giving will allow us to pay it off earlier. The amount uh, to cover it on a monthly basis to pay the building is in the 2013 budget. It will remain there until it's paid for. But through these three years of giving, if we give substantially and we give sacrificially, uh, then we can pay for this building uh, much quicker. And that means we'll save money in the interest that we don't pay. And uh, that means we have more money that will be freed up that we can do other things in the life of our church. Last, year as we talk, last week as we talked about uh, making these sacrificial gifts, we were challenged uh, uh, by King David um, who was told to go to uh, a certain place and to buy the threshing floor from Aruna and then to build an altar and make a sacrifice to God so that the plague on his people would be stopped. And when he gets there and, and, and Aruna wants to know why David is there and David tells him he's there to buy the threshing floor, Aruna does a very magnanimous uh, gesture. He says, I want to give this. He said, I want to give the, the oxen and the land and, and uh, even the implements so all of it can be burned as an altar to God. And David said, no, I'm the one that's sent here to do this. I need to make this. And then he has a classic statement that says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And so David made a sacrificial gift. He bought the altar. He, he, he made that sacrifice there to God. And God was pleased with what he had done. And in those words, David challenges us about a sacrificial gift. A sacrificial gift is something that costs us something. It means that we give up something that we could have to do something for a greater good. And, and in this case, it's, a, it's building our student center. And work has progressed on it. Whether this week delayed it a little bit. But it still is uh, making great progress. And we anticipate uh, greatly that building being completed. Well, when we look at our scripture today in 1 Chronicles, we see David is at another point in his life and faced with another challenge. And this time it's to excite the people about generous giving, sacrificial giving for building the temple that would be called Solomon's Temple. When we look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, this is what we begin reading. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities." Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, 
I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? This is interesting as to what follows. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold. 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And in the next verses that we read, we find a portion of David's great prayer that he offers up to God at this magnanimous occasion. And David praised the Lord in the presence of the entire assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. When we enter into this section of Scripture, uh, we see that this is a time in the uh, life of the hi- history of Israel where uh, a spiritual fervor is kind of at a peak. And David is uh, getting ready to hand over the leadership of these people to his son Solomon. For a long time, David had had this desire uh, to build a great temple in which uh, to honor God and for which they would gather in a permanent structure rather than in that tent that was a special place of meeting. But God said, David, that desire of your heart can't come true because you're a warrior and you're a man with too much blood on your hands. Therefore, it's going to fall to Solomon, uh, your son, to do this. 
So David is calling the people together and challenging them about giving sacrificially so that they can build the great temple. And that great temple would rally the people and they would have that wonderful place of the temple of Solomon so that they could gather and worship God. And that was, that was the desire of David's heart, for them to build that temple and have that place of worshiping God. Well, we're not building a temple. We built this worship center in 1995 and we went through four or five uh, capital fund campaigns to first of all eliminate the indebtedness on the children's building, the second building built, and then to build this. And we gave sacrificially. We gave above tithes and offerings. And we were able then in 1999 to come and complete downstairs. We couldn't do that all at one time. But we were able to complete downstairs and give us uh, the adult education space that's down there. And then through uh, your sacrificial giving, prudent management from stewardship committees that went along with that uh, occasion, we were able to pay this off earlier. And we saved some money on that. But we kept making that payment out of the budget into a special account. And when we had the opportunity to add additional space, because we couldn't do the entire master plan and to build a plant educational building, uh, we didn't need to do a capital funds campaign. And we paid that off in 15 months. Now, this building for the student center is, is a little bit bigger building and costs a little bit more. About twice the size, about twice the money, a million and a half dollars. We've been already induced all that to you. So the challenge for us is not giving for a worship center, but giving to the student building fund for the student center. And in it, it will be designed a place for worship, a place for gathering and fellowship, and then a place for classrooms where they will study. And we believe that this is uh, God's will for us in the next step in the life of our church to provide a space for students uh, like 6th through 12th grade to have a place for their own place of ministry where to be state of the art. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to continue to be talking about times of prayer that we will offer you and information and challenges for all of us to have the opportunity to make uh, our sacrificial commitment at least by March the 10th. And we'll do that as we meet in various uh, meetings. Today we have two. Uh, The senior adults are gathering for lunch, and then at five, the deacons and spouses are gathering uh, for a dinner and to hear about this and challenge them for their, uh, as well as the senior adults at this point, for their um, sacrificial contribution. In the next two weeks, we'll be having other dinners with median adults and then young adults to talk about this. So if there's any questions and all that, you can, you can hear those from us. But I want us to look at the scripture today and do it in a very limited time frame uh, to talk about what, what we find David's encounter with the people at this time for building the temple that relates to sacrificial giving and for us to follow in that pattern and what it says to us about giving. I think there are at least three things that are major importance for us to point out. As you pray about your giving and the giving sacrificially, don't just make it a head gift as, as Jeff talked about, but really let it come from the heart. As you pray about it and let God speak to your heart and keep these principles in mind if you would. First of all, God wants his people to give willingly and generously to his plans. Uh, David said that he had donated to the building of the temple with all of his ability in verse 2. With all my resources I provided for the temple of God. Now David being the king had an abundance of uh, financial resources. And he used the financial resources to give to the temple project. Now he gave great gifts because he was able to give great gifts. 
And the same thing applies to us. If you're able to give a great gift, you should give a great gift. If you're able to give a medium-sized gift, then that's what you should give. If you're able to give a small gift, then that's what you're supposed to give. But God wants all of his people in a church to give willingly and generously to his plans. So you, you, you won't please God with your giving until you are able to give to his work with all of your ability. That's why we stress in the campaign for future generations, not equal gifts, you see it on the sign, the banner, but equal sacrifice. We're all asked to make an equal sacrifice. And some of you say, well, I, you know, there's nothing that I can really sacrifice. I don't know what I can do. Well, I've had some people to come up with these, uh, these suggestions for me that I'll share with you. Um, did you know that a, a venti size of coffee at Starbucks is about uh, $4.25. Now, if you drink two of those a week, that's 104 cups a year, you'll spend about $442. If you give that up for this period of time, that's $442 that you could give to this campaign. In the first service, Derek talked about one of the things he was going to sacrifice is that at work he loved to buy diet Mountain Dews. And uh, uh, he, you know, he, he said he was going to sacrifice that. The example that I was given is a Diet Coke. You get a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, usually costs about $1.89, something like that. Sometimes you get them on sale, what, two for two twenty or something like that. If you drink five Cokes per week, I'm told that's really not good for you, drinking these Diet Cokes. If you drink five per week or 260 Cokes a year, you're going to spend $491 on almost $492. You give that up, that's another $492 that's available for you to give. The sacrifices can be found in your lifestyle in many different ways. How about all the accumulations? Jeff talked about the accumulation of things in the garage that didn't mean anything now. Well, you know, you could throw them away, get rid of them. You could have a yard sale, maybe make 300 bucks. Later on, have another yard sale, make another 300 bucks or so. And there's 600 bucks you've got to give. That's a sacrifice above and beyond. You get your garage cleaned out and you're able to make a contribution at the same time. Now, how about going to movies? Y'all know I don't do a whole lot of that, but I went twice in January. And I'm still trying to recover from what it costs me to go to two movies. That's outrageous. You know, I think the tickets must have been 10, 15 bucks a piece. And then I know what the big bowl of popcorn that you could get refilled and the great big drinks are that you could get refilled. That was $18.50 for that. So I spent a bundle on going to see the same movie twice. Now, some of you go every week. Some of you go every month. Think about the savings that you could have right there if you gave up the movies. There are very few things to go see, in my opinion, that are worth watching. I told somebody at a Sunday school party last night, we were celebrating the birthday of one of the teachers, and several of us in the church have made milestone age turns this year. I won't reveal those identities, but you know, I said, you know, you know you're getting old. And I said this, when you look at the old movie channel, and they're showing movies from the 70s and the 80s, that's when you know you're getting old. See, those are the kind of movies I used to like to watch, those old movies. And really, after they made Casablanca, why should they make another movie, you know? Maybe Gone with the Wind, okay? But anyway, that's my take on it. But think about the money you could save just simply by giving up maybe one movie a month or giving up the whole thing. Um, What if you eat lunch out in a restaurant five times a week? I don't typically do that, but I'm told a lot of it, you know, average around eight bucks, probably more than that. Throw in a tip... You know, you're going to spend about uh, $2,500 on that. 
If two of you do that, then you're spending what? About 5000 What if you bagged it for a while? Took a lunch of something left over. Look at the money you could save for that. Now, you know, we will also have ways to, to talk to, uh, to our students about that and the, and the younger ones who are going to benefit from this building. You know, we want you to be a part of it. You know, Habitat for Humanity helps uh, homeless people build homes, but they, put, uh, they require sweat equity from the family. They literally work on that house. Here's a way some of you students could have some sweat equity into this building, you know. Uh, if you have some babysitting jobs, you could put that money aside and give it. If you uh, cut grass, uh, trim, trim uh, shrubbery for people, washing cars, all those kinds of things. You know, those are some sweat equity you can save that money and put in. You know, uh, younger groups, children, that might be time uh, maybe you gave your allowance. You saved your allowance and you gave that. Or maybe it's time to crack open the piggy bank. I remember as a child. Uh, when we were adding an educational building on our home church in Earhart, small town, small church, we added an education building to it, that we had a chance to, to have a part in that. And I remember giving my money. I had these little banks saved up, all kind of stuff. I, I had a paper route. I drove a school bus. And, and, and so I was, I was a little advanced in age and a child. But as a teenager, I had the opportunity to give. And I gave it. And I gave it sacrificially. And every time I go back there, I have a sense of joy in knowing I invested in this. I think of all the lives that have gone through there in the time since we built that building. Well, you know, there are all kinds of ways if you really look and ask God to open your eyes about ways that you could find some extra money that you could give sacrificially. God wants us to give and to give generously and willingly to support his plans. The building committee, we believe that that's what God's plan is, a student center for our students, to reach them, their families, and future generations of students. The second principle I'd ask you to remember is this, that genuine delight in God's work will motivate us to give generously. You see, David had that heartfelt desire that he wanted to build a temple to glorify God. And God God honored that in a way, but he he said that Solomon would, would be the one who would build it. But the primary purpose that David had in mind for that building was to glorify and to honor God. The student center is going to be designed with worship space, gathering space for fellowship, and classroom space. But it's also being built for the glory of God to see how God will use that as a resource and as a tool in our student ministry to reach students. And David gives us an example of how being totally committed to God's plan revealed to him how he gave. And and in verse 3 he talks about, besides in my devotion to the temple of God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver uh, for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. So it was David's delight to see God's plan come to fulfillment. And David was a deeply spiritual man. His priorities were centered in glorifying God. He messed up at times, but ultimately he was a man after God's own heart. And he wanted to glorify God. And so he gave, and he gave generously. Why? Because he was committed to God's plan. I think here's a principle you can learn from that, and it's this. That you will always spend your money on what is most important to you. Now I want you to notice or remember how David had, the, had this set up for the people as they gathered it, how they would, how they would make their commitments. First of all, David the leader made his commitment. 
Then the leaders of the people made their commitment. And then the people saw how the leaders had given, made their commitments, and then they followed with that with joy. So look first of all at David in verses 2 through 5. See, with all, these, with all my resources I provided for the temple of the Lord. And you look at all that David did and what he gave there. That first he gave out of his devotion to God, and second he gave because he was willing to give and to give generously. And what did he give? He gave a lot. And I'll tell you, as I did the research on this and found what people estimated the value of what David did then in our market today, it fluctuated from trillions uh, to the high millions. But it rounded out to be about evenly about uh, $2 billion that David gave for the building of the temple. So he gave 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver, and that was estimated median range of everything else, about $2 billion. Then David gave the challenge to the rest of them. And he said, who is willing to consecrate himself today to the Lord? And the word consecrate literally means to fill one's hand. And it's the idea of coming to God with those things that you value in your hands to give them to God. It's also used at various times in describing someone set apart in ordination for ministry. Now, David went first. That's why I went first last week in the message and tied it in with how Cookie and I will make sacrificial gifts. We won't give $2 billion because we don't have it. But we will make a commitment that will be a sacrificial gift. We made that sure last week. Now, the second thing to notice is look at the commitment of the leaders. They followed in verse 5 through verse 8. David had challenged them about being willing and to give and generous to give. And that phrase willingly that they use in verse 6 to describe how the leaders gave simply means to volunteer as a soldier. That means they were reporting for duty. And they gave a lot too. They gave 190 tons of gold, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. Again, estimates of the value in today's market fluctuated, but let's just say they gave a lot, and it was around $4 billion. That's a lot that they gave. But they had it, and they gave it largely. And the people's response, verse 9 tells us that the people were filled with joy because of the response of their leaders. And I find it interesting how we've planned this today. That we have our senior adults for lunch so they wouldn't have to come out at night. And then this afternoon we're meeting with our deacons. They are leaders in the life of our church. It's going to be interesting to see what their reaction is going to be. And then we're meeting with the median adults. Then we meet with the young adults. And we're challenging the children and our students as well to be a part of this. And, and, and when it says here in, in verse 9 that the, the people responded with joy, the word rejoice literally means to brighten up. And they were, they were brightened because of the fact that their leaders set an example for them and they followed after that. Now, there was a translation of scripture also that I read this week about this uh, episode here. And, and that particular translation had this added phrase in verse 9 which says, Then the people rejoiced because they had, these had given willingly for with single mind. They had offered freely to the Lord. Now you think about that phrase, with single mind. You know what that means? That meant that they were all, all in for supporting God's plan for that building project. Moses, the leader, was committed to it. 
The leaders of the people were committed to it. And the people brightened up. They rejoiced at the example set before them. And they too gave generously and sacrificially. They were with one mind. They supported this project. You know, we don't do very many things around here in a unanimous fashion. We got a lot of different opinions and ideas. But I would hope and pray that this would be a project for future generations. For future generations that we could be all in on this and be of one mind. You know, that was the secret of success in, in the early church that we find in the book of Acts. Acts 4.32 says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. And God blessed them as a result of that. Now, here's the third principle I think you need to remember as you pray about your commitment. And that is that God provides the resources he wants us to give. If he asks you to give sacrificially, he will provide the resources. You've got to pray. You've got to search. You've got to make some commitments and sacrifices as to what you're going to do. But God will provide the resources. We don't have time to go back over and look at verses 10 through 18. But to summarize there, David uh, reminds us of two very important truths as he's talking to God. The first is that every gift that we have, everything that we have in our name of possession and ownership in our hands comes from God. Our money, our possessions, our family, everything comes from God. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And some of you have a way of thinking, and I've heard this all my life as well too, that says, you know, I work hard to have what I have. How, you, how can you expect me to believe that God has given me all that I have? Well, you see, God provided the job. He provided the resources. He gave you the health, the energy, and the strength to do that. And as a result, he allowed you to have what you have. Everything came from him. Everything came from him. Remember that. In Deuteronomy, the children of Israel were reminded of the same thing. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. You see, it's God who owns everything, gives you everything. And that's what David confirms. Everything that we have not only is given by God... But it belongs to God. He makes that point very clearly there's many, many, many places. So how can we say we have things, we own this, we own my house, I own this car, I own this. We're just stewards of what God owns that he's given to us to manage for his glory. And that includes the financial resources. Now, in the 845 service, we sang a song, Something Beautiful. And you see the title is Doing Something Beautiful for God. I didn't get the, the title for the sermon from that song, but it went right along with it. But um, two men that uh, I've admired about making their decision for Christ later on in life and coming from basically an atheist background uh, were C.S. Lewis and one that you might not be familiar with is Malcolm Muggeridge. Uh, Malcolm Muggeridge was a British journalist, a broadcaster, and he was editor of the very satirical magazine Punch. Well, he had an assignment from the BBC to go to Calcutta and do a documentary uh, film on Mother Teresa. Well, Mother Teresa really wasn't for that. She just wanted to serve. She didn't care about being highlighted in a documentary film. But the church leaders uh, urged her to do that. And when she finally decided that she would give in and do that, then she said, let's do something beautiful for God. An amazing thing took place in filming that documentary. There really wasn't enough light in that hospice 
for the filming to come out bright enough to be clear enough to be seen. But there was some kind of special halo of light that became available during that filming that made it be possible for it to be a beautiful documentary. And Malcolm Muggeridge himself, not a believer at that time, attributed it to the love that radiated from Mary to Mother Teresa and the others who worked in that hospice. Later on, Malcolm Muggeridge wrote a book about Mother Teresa, and he entitled it, Something Beautiful for God. But that's not the best thing that happened. The best thing that happened was, in that entire process, Malcolm Muggeridge was affected by the love of God, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And so that's why I say, let's together do something beautiful for God. God is asking you, every one of you through me and through others who are part of this capital campaign, for all of us to be all in. And that whatever our ability to give, then we will give. If we're capable of giving a large gift, then we should give a large gift. If you're capable of giving a medium-sized gift, then you should give a medium-sized gift. If you're capable of a small gift, everything put in the hands of God will be used to glorify Him. The Lord willing and the Holy Spirit doesn't change my mind. Next week, uh, the sermon will focus on uh, the miracle that's found in all four Gospels. I want you to look and think between now and then what you think that might be. And, and how things placed in the hand of God get multiplied and used for His glory. So our challenge is that, that we would accept the challenge to come before God, our hands filled, consecrated with sacrificial gifts that we will give to the glory of God for completing the project, paying it off earlier for our student center. Now, as we close this morning, I want to ask you to bow with me. And I just want us to have a little time of prayer. We've got a prayer guide that you're asked to use. Uh, there's a flyer in your bulletin that talks about some questions to ask about the, uh, the capital campaign, and maybe they've been answered uh, in, in by those answers that are given there. Uh, we're going to have another brochure coming out that gives you some uh, planning guides for how you can give, what it would mean if you gave this much a week, this much a month, this much a year, and that. But right now I want you to bow with me, and let's just ask God to speak to our hearts right now about what he wants to begin to do in our lives for a sacrificial gift, okay? Let's bow before him. Father, I trust that our people gathered before you in this moment have asked you to, to look into their hearts and lead them to be committed to this project and to be willing to give sacrificially as you guide them in that process about helping them come to that decision to make a, a gift for you that will bring glory and honor to your name during this campaign. 
Father, I know that everything that we have comes from you, and we know that you own everything. And we know that you will supply the resources that you want us to have from which we give. And so we trust you for that. And I pray that you will bless your people here uh, with that so that they can give generously and willingly to this campaign. And, Father, we want it to be done all for your glory and for your honor. And so we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gave everything for us. Amen.